Hi, welcome to the Oakland Asian Mom Podcast. We're talking to our friend and neighbor, Chayong, about raising multiracial and multiethnic kids. What we love about our people, the joy and complexity of passing down culture and language, and also the grief and inadequacy that we sometimes feel as mothers trying to raise children deeply rooted in and proud of who they are. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. We have a special guest with us today, Chayong on Williams, who is a friend and neighbor here in the Fruitvale. And we're talking about how do we nurture and maintain um, our cultural ties and heritage as we raise multi-ethnic and multiracial children. So first we're gonna introduce our family backgrounds, those of um, our own and, and those of our partners. Um, what are our roots and what are some things that you love about your culture? Chayang, do you wanna start us out? Sure. Um, so I am Korean American. Um, I was born in Korea and then my parents immigrate, immigrated to the United States when I was about two and a half years old. Um, so I feel both connected to Korea, but also very much to New York City, because that's I grew up in Queens um, for most of my childhood. Um, but we actually went back to Korea almost every two or three years for the mm. whole summer. And oh, so wow. I think I got I was really fortunate to um, know my grandparents and my extended family on my my mother's side, my, my maternal family that was in Korea. Um, what are some things I love about Korean culture? And then I'll talk about my husband. Um, I, I love the food. I love the language. I love um, the warmth of mm-hmm. Korean people, especially like um, there's a word called chung, which is I think just essentially like a, like warmth and familiarity. And that's like a core part of our culture. I just love how like expressive Korean people are both in their anger and in their joy and in their emojis. <laughs> so I think those are things that I love about being Korean at a very, you know, kind of superficial level. Um, my husband, Jared, he is um, biracial. His mother is white and his father is black. Um, His mother um, and father actually both grew up in the Pacific Grove, Monterey area. And so he very much is deeply tied to um, like small town California, essentially. Mm -hmm. How about you, Cheryl? Sure. Um, Well, I'm Filipino-American. Sometimes I say Filipina. Sometimes I say Filipino, I guess it's just whatever comes out. Uh, my parents are both from the Philippines. Immigrants came here to the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, and they've been here I, over 50 years because they just celebrated their 50th anniversary. And they came right after they got married. My dad was here for a couple of years before that. But essentially, they started their life together in the early 70s. And their first stop was San Francisco and never really left. Um So the peninsula has been my home. I grew up in Daly City, and it's kind of the first stop for a lot of Filipinos. Um, My husband is from San Diego, so another huge Filipino town. His parents um, 
are from the Philippines. His dad is from the Philippines and his mom too. However, his mom is ethnically Chinese and grew up um, kind of in this, this you know, the, the, they call it the Visayas region in the Philippines. They, you have Luzon, which is the main island where both my, my mom, my dad, and uh, my husband's dad uh, grew up. Uh, that's where Manila is. And then you have this Visayas region, which is where Cebu and all these other islands. And that's where his mom grew up. Um, so our kids are three quarters Filipino, Filipino Tagalog, which is a, is a thing. And then um, a quarter Chinese. So, go ahead. Cheryl, did your husband um, grow up speaking any Chinese? Was it Cantonese or Mandarin or some other dialect? He did go to Chinese school, uh, but never really lasted. Uh, and I did not learn how to speak Tagalog fluently. I think it was an era where, and my parents are very bilingual once they even landed here. And that's due to colonization from the U.S. and the Philippines for so many years and higher education. I mean, they start off in higher education. I think maybe high school or, or college um, having classes in English, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, the pipeline, you know, post-1965, they got a visa to come over here and thus the chain migration of all my relatives. Um, but one thing I really love about Filipino culture is um, like really fun. Like I think back in my childhood, it's just so much fun to be with family and loudness. Like it's like if you talk to other Filipino or Fil Filipino Americans and you're like, if you just say family parties, they're like, oh yeah, it's like hella food, super loud, all night long, dancing, mahjong, you know, just like everybody and their neighbors there. So that's what I really love is like the togetherness of being um, with your family and, and, and really anybody who walks through our doors, family or not, they're really treated um, like they're our cousins, you know, like at the moment they walk in, here's a plate, go grab some food, let's chill out in the backyard. I mean, that's kind of like how it goes. And I think that's really uh, quintessential, like that, uh, you know, Filipino spirit of being hospital and welcoming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my background is similar to Chaeyoung's. Um, my family immigrated here when I was one and a half. Um, my dad was going to grad school in Iowa, of all places. And, um, you know, my family goes back our history in Korea is, you know, generations. Like there is this family book um, that lists like everyone in each generation going back like like hundreds or even maybe thousands of years. I don't know. But I think um, my husband and my kids may be the only non-Koreans in this like huge lineage. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. And almost all of my family remained in Korea, both on my mom and dad's side. So we remained pretty connected. And um, I didn't visit too often, like maybe once every couple of years, but because we still had family there, I think that the ties to Korea were really strong. Um, I would echo everything Chaeyoung said about what is really lovely about Korean culture. And I also think, um, you know, Korea is a small country like located between superpowers, right? So it has a long history of being invaded. Um, there was the Korean War in the 1950s. And I just think that um, the the term beauty from ashes really sort of strikes mm. me about Korean people. Just out of hardship, um, beautiful things have been able to emerge. 
so that's that's one um, additional aspect that I appreciate. And my husband is white. Um, his family uh, on both sides has been in the United States for a while. And one time we were talking about the backgrounds of our great grandparents. So he said something like English, French, French, German, Polish, Polish, Welsh, like French. And I said, Korean, 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 <laughs> Korean, 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 Korean. <laughs> so um, his family, their roots are um, in Texas, but not, it, that's a pretty recent thing. So his mother's family is, is um, rooted in the Midwest and his father's family in Jersey, but they, they both, um, the families moved to Texas. So there's some kind of Texas uh, influence there. Um, so, yeah, we, you know, we are all raising families and children a bit differently than our parents did um, as people that grew up here. So what has it looked like for you to remain connected to your roots um, and to pass them along as you raise children? Um, I think my kid is the youngest um, in the group, but uh, um, I've been trying to um, uh, host, you know, uh, I don't know, kind of uh, traditional, like parties that celebrate traditional Korean um, holidays. Um, like Chuseok, which is our um, harvest festival, which is, I think, essentially the same as the moon festival um, sometime in like October. Um, and I try to introduce the kind of traditional foods at the time. I, um, ever since my husband and I got married, I've been um, trying to do certain traditions that my mom used to do, even before we had a kid. Like every New Year's, we um, make uh, dumplings together. Um, and I'm doing that with my son too now. Um, so I guess it, a lot of it has to do with like holidays and food are the biggest things. Um, and, you know, honestly, I feel so inadequate. Like when I think about my parents and when they try to raise us in the United States, it really felt like they were trying to create like a mini Korea in New York. And it kind of was that um, in that we went to a Korean church and, you know, there's a lot of Korean people where we lived. Um, so there was a lot more support from the community to create these traditions and rituals but I feel pretty alone here and so I don't really speak Korean the way that I used to I was very fluent and now I can barely piece together a sentence and so our plan is to actually move our family to Korea in the next year so that my son um, would be able to just take in the language and the culture in a much more um, authentic and real way that I just feel like I just can't do on my own. Mm -hmm. My parents repatriated to Korea about 10 years ago or 12 years ago. And so that's another reason why we, we're doing that is to make sure he has a relationship with them. It's been so hard with the pandemic that he hasn't been able to see them. And it feels like such a developmentally important time to be able to build these relationships and learn the language. And it's just been, yeah, like so wholly inadequate like FaceTime once once every three weeks with my parents like his English is just exploding but his Korean he doesn't even know his Korean name it's it's like like that so I feel I'm hoping that Korea will save him <laughs> and save us <laughs> and that like all the work that I didn't do or couldn't do <laughs> will be all taken care of once we go to Korea 
So that's kind of how I'm trying to stay connected. But I do feel pretty disconnected from my roots right now. And I'm trying to reconnect by listening to BTS and watching <laughs> BTS videos and like do all the things um, that I used to do as a kid that came so naturally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been really hard. Yeah. Chaeyoung, how does your husband feel about the move? Um, I, I think he feels both excited um, at the thought of living abroad um, with, you know, it's not, it's not going to be brand new for both of us. So that I think is like, feels okay for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, you know, he's nervous because I mean, there's a lot of expats that live in Korea now. So, you know, it's still a pretty homogenous society though. And I think I have a lot of worries about him being out with my son in public and people being like nervous that, you know, he's not supposed to be with him because, you know, mm-hmm. my husband has, you know, long locks and, you know, he's, he's, he's pretty fair skin for a black, uh, for a black man, but I don't know. That's like pretty rare. You don't really see that in Korea. And so yeah. um, I think there's some concern around, yeah, like perceptions around who is this child? Who does he belong to? And are we a family unit mm-hmm. that I worry about? I'm not sure if he worries about as much, but I imagine it's in his psyche around, really sticking out in a very homogenous place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 sure how about you well as Chiang was talking I was like oh I'm, I'm like that sounds so lovely um to be able to go and be there and a part of me is like would I ever do that and I think it's really this um I don't want to say it's a colonial mentality, even though uh, it is one thing that Filipinos struggle with, especially with, um, you know, the U.S. life and the dream, you know. Um, it was very romanticized, I think, when my parents were growing up. Um, I, I can't imagine I have the skills or to be able to do that with my family, to go back to the Philippines and say, oh, we want to live here. Um, I think my parents would be like, very wondering why. Mm. <laughs> I think at the, the bottom line, I know they'd be like, oh, I, I know she would love to have her children know their roots. And, but I think because I myself would feel like lost, it would be destabilizing. Right. Mm. So I think how I remain connected is there is a certain you know, I've, I've hosted like Filipino American History Month celebrations and I've brought my kids to Stockton and the museums there, <clears throat> excuse me. And, you know, like um, we talk about Filipino celebrities and things to be proud of. And my, my kids definitely know that they're Filipino. Um, I also remind them that they're part Chinese too. Um, but there is a sense of loss that I've been struggling with, this grieving of uh, even you know, I'm first uh, American-born generation, but my whole childhood was uh, just immersed in like everything Filipino, right? Like my parents never really particularly said, "Okay, this is this holiday, or we're doing this because of that," um, or had these like special things that I wanted to, right? You know, parties or celebrations, and we invite our Filipino friends. It was just like life, you know. Um, most of my parents, intimate friends of their circles, um, I want to, I, I, you know, they're all Filipino, you know, and my grand uh, grandparents. So, so I kind of agree that's not the same environment that my children are in. 
you know, I even went to Catholic school. So you can imagine even some of my classmates were Filipino. And I think because I don't go to Catholic church at this point in my life, I go to another church. There is a lot of tradition. Uh, they're so interwoven in some ways. And not all Filipinos are Catholics, but a vast majority, it's a Catholic, you know, a Catholic nation. There were a lot of, um, you know, baptisms that we went to, you know, different anniversary or different things that related to the Catholic church that were also part of our, of my culture and upbringing that, you know, my, my kids have no clue about, right? Um, and as my generation, my cousins, you know, we have our own lives, so it's harder to get together. It's really like the moms, you know, my mom's generation that really kind of made a point to always get together when we were kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so because most of my friends and family here in Oakland, um, you know, it's mixed. It's not just Filipino families that it's just harder to, to have that experience. And I'm not trying to recreate it, of course, uh, but I think about um, how, how do I be mindful and intentional about raising my children with a very strong sense of being Filipino and not just a superficial way, but in a way that they could feel like, oh yeah, this is, these are the values I've, I've learned from my family. And I think that's what, really what it is. When I kind of feel sad, I go, well, I'm really still passing on these values that I received from my family. And I just can't quite call them Filipino values. Uh, but because I feel like I see the same values in other Filipino families, I hope that's you know, a foundation for my kids to do their own exploration you know, when, they, when they want. Um, so that's, yeah, so that's what I've been thinking about a lot. Mm-hmm. I think for me, um, trying to teach them language when they were younger, I think it's, it feels like a losing battle mm. now. But, um, you know, I, I, th- I think for both of them, their first language was Korean um, because my mom helped raise them when they were young. Um, songs. So we try to sing a lot of songs in Korean food um and it's interesting like sometimes my mom um says that I'm more Korean or traditional than her because for me I feel like I have to make a special effort with Mm -hmm. these types of things that I'm able to do and so it can look a little bit more traditional with my parents they they were Korean and they didn't I don't know I don't think they had the same sense of sort of I don't know if fear is the right mm, word, but urgency maybe. Yeah, they I, I feel as though they didn't feel the need to be as intentional as I do. Yeah. Um so yeah, there so there are things that I do that are um kind of like throwback stuff that they didn't feel the need to do. Mm-hmm. And I think also what's a little interesting is that there are these holidays that are you know, celebrated in Korea that we didn't grow up celebrating in America. Um, I don't know why, but I have a feeling it has to do with the church and the church kind of wanting to, I don't know if encourage assimilation is the right word or, or what the the purpose was, but um, yeah, like we didn't grow up celebrating Chuseok at home, even though my family in Korea did. Um, Lunar New Year, similarly, we didn't really grow up um, celebrating it. So things like that. It's kind of interesting how we're trying to reintroduce some of the things that um, my parents didn't um, observe when they immigrated. 
Um, but yeah, Taeyong, I really feel you. I, I feel as though there is a grief sort of, of, to me, it feels as though it, I can see something like, I don't, I don't want to say dying, but I can see something mm-hmm. kind of slipping away and mm-hmm. I feel a little bit powerless to just try to stop it. Um, so, I mean, all of us have touched a little bit about some of the struggles um, and challenges. Um, is there anything more that anyone wants to add about that? Um, I, well, I, I really appreciated, Cheryl, uh, you saying like uh, the word grief, because I think when I studied abroad in Korea, when I was in college, um, I think that was the first time I like really felt like a really deep grief of like, oh, I'm not Korean, mm. you know, like, like in that, like, you know, my parent, you know, in the United States in New York City, I felt really Korean <laughs> because we spoke Korean in the house. We always yeah. ate food and there was all of that. But then once I was actually transported to Korea, I realized, oh my gosh, like I'm so American mm, right? yeah. in yeah. so many ways. And people treated me in that way. And I remember being really depressed actually while I was there and I didn't know why I was so depressed and what was happening for me. But I think it was me processing this like, re- like, finally almost in a real way as an adult like oh what I've been searching for what I thought was my identity is actually it's not that like I'm Korean American Mm -hmm. ultimately which is different from being Korean yeah and um and so like I like as we plan on going to Korea this time I don't think I'm going with the same expectation that I'm like going to the mother country and I'll like be embraced in the same way you know all of that is not there um and yet like I think there's still um you know, like these questions for me around like, what does that mean for my son? You know, mm-hmm, like he's, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's half Korean, but he will not have the same kind of like community, even when we return, you know, from Korea to the United States, like that, like help sustain, you know, all the sort of cultural, the download that I got being in Korea all those years. And so I don't know, I, I can almost like look ahead already, like of like, oh, he's gonna learn the language. He's so young, he's gonna absorb it like a sponge. Mm-hmm. He's gonna, you know, fall right in, but then he's gonna come back and almost have the same like identity shift for himself too. You know? Yeah. And I think yeah. it's that it's that struggle of like what does it mean to be the like the immigrant, right? The Korean American and how do I create, yeah, like a container for my son to explore that in a healthy way where yeah. he does feel connected to his Korean roots and his, you know, African-American and sort of Euro white, you know, roots here in the United States while still feeling like all of it is like, I don't know. Um, okay. Like, I don't know. I think there was like a way in which the, we, my parents would say like, you have to speak Korean if you're Korean. You have to, you know, he, they almost had like a checklist of the things you had to do to have your like Korean card almost or a Korean identity card. And I just feel like that's, I have to let that go. And I have to help figure out what is the like, I don't know, safe container where my son can really figure out, you know, yes, you're Korean and it means so many things and you'll have to explore that. And I think it's going to be painful, honestly, because he will be racially ambiguous in the United States. Um, certain people are going to want to constantly be like, what are you? And it's just like that, you know, the pain of like feeling like, where's my home? I mm-hmm. think that's the piece that I'm just like, as a mother, I'm like, I don't know how best to support that. But I feel like I've read so many things about identity development, like, just like how investing in that identity development as, as a really young child is so critical for those really difficult sort of adolescent and kind of young adult years where they are exploring their identity. 
So I don't know. I don't have the answers, but I, I am nervous about how that's going to um, all play out for my son. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I have. Um, yeah, knowing that it's going to be all, all kinds all kinds of tenuous. And it, the, the foundation is pretty shaky, basically. Yeah. I... I enjoy hearing your your process, Jayang. I think about um, how important, you know, um, you know, if you're able to have grandparents share about what it's like when they grew up, mm-hmm. you know, because, oh man, how many stories have my parents told me about, um, you know, what is it like to grow up in the Philippines and some of the hardships and, and I don't have those stories, you know, to, sh- to impart mm-hmm. on my kids. So I, I think, even at a, at a young, before I, I, I became a mom or thought I was going to get married, I, I still had that grief, like, oh, I wish I knew, you know? And I think I, I was, we were talking about this, Sarah, the other day, like I was able to go, um, my parents didn't go back to the Philippines for a long time. I don't, I don't know what the reason, but after they immigrated, um, it took until like a big trip when I was like six years old. So can you imagine they already had uh you know, their, their first kid and to, to go back um, as a family. And I thought that was real. I took, I remember taking a month off of school and be like, oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. And the story my mom always tells me is that when we land in the airport in, the, in Manila, once the door is open, because you're still like air conditioning as much as possible. Once the door is open, it's like an oven. <laughs> she told me, I just started crying <laughs> and just bawling. Like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. And this is the t- story she tells all the time. And I realized, I think it's because maybe she didn't prepare me in the way that I, maybe a young child needs to be prepared, you know, because we were, they, were, they were like getting everything ready, fulfilling these things called balak buy-in boxes where it's just like food stuff, like, you know, like to bring back home. Mm-hmm. And so I think, Oh, I really, um, there are some things I feel like as an American parent that I, I have a, a different set of knowledge, right? Uh, and, and a different set of con- consciousness um, about childhood. And, you know, my parents were just winging it in some ways. And they, I think they did great. Um, and, and, I, and I always talk to my husband, who's, you know, Filipino too, uh, half Filipino, about what are some of the things that we also want to not instill in our kids, the things that we thought we're like oh, a little iffy in our culture, right? Like colorism, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, pride in what we look like. This like, you know, this idea of like, uh, you have to have a pointy nose and you have to have like fair skin to be beautiful, you know? So, or the shaming, the body shaming that, mm-hmm. um, you know, oh, I haven't seen you in a long time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, did you lose weight or did you gain weight? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's like, oh gosh, here we go again. You know, so I think um, what I do have pride in is like, oh, my, my, my boys come home with their drawings about, you know, like, t- you know, like uh, the, the all about me drawings in preschool. You know, they come in with like um, with pictures of, of brown faces, you know, and just, just, it's like amazing. You know, it's like, oh, they, they see themselves as, as, as brown children and, 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 mm-hmm. and, I feel like I'm hoping that we don't create an environment where they feel ashamed by that or that whatever nose they have, whatever eyes they have, whatever they have is beautiful. And Mm -hmm. so I think not that my parents didn't fight against that, but I don't think it was really, I think some of the things I feel like, 
you, you know, uh, that are still from the Philippines and, and really def definitely about like colonial kind of like ways because that, that's how they grew up. So in some ways I'm like, oh, I, I kind of feel proud that we are trying to fight against those things that um, really bring upon shame or even how we, how we treat other people. Um, and so maybe that's my take on it. And how do you still integrate that with pride and being Filipino? Right. Yeah. For me, I think um, my, you know, my husband is white, doesn't speak Korean. So a lot of times it feels as though, um, you know, maybe rightfully so that, that the kind of passing on of culture falls on my shoulders and, mm -hmm. and with language too, you know, if our kids were to be fluent in Korean, it would be me having to do it. Um, mm -hmm. So I think sometimes I think like um, that's part of the reason why it's harder, right? Like if one parent is the the one who holds the the cultural knowledge to pass it down, it can be um, it's an honor and a burden at the same time. Yes. I guess, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but it feels like an extra measure of responsibility, and maybe on the flip side, failure um, when when I feel as though I'm um, mm -hmm. it's too hard and um, I can't really do it well, or I feel like I'm not doing it well. Um, yeah. And like I was saying, just this feeling of, as they get older, like, oh, the opportunity is slipping away or mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, um, we also talk about going to Korea, um, to live while the kids are young for this, for similar reasons, you know, just language is a big part of it. And we went once as a family, um, when my older child was she's about four, my son was six months old. And I think it was a real game changer for my eldest child of seeing mm -hmm. this whole country <laughs> of people that look like her mother and my side of the family, right? Um, I mean, it's really diverse here in the Bay Area, but we're not in spaces that are like entirely uh, Korean American very often. So I think it was... Um, yeah, I think it was a real game changer. Um, I feel like I'm going a little bit off topic, but um, this, just to kind of switch gears for a second. So what are some kind of new cultural traditions that you and your families are building? Um, this one's a hard question. Yeah. <laughs> Cheryl, I feel like you touched upon it a little bit mm -hmm. of things that you are kind of like re-examining about Filipino culture, yeah. things that you are kind of choosing to let fall away and things that you're preserving. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I thought about this and um, I'm pretty involved at my, my kids' uh, school and, and I, I read to them, um, you know, you know pre-pandemic, I was in the classroom every day just reading stories. And, um, and so I remember during October is Filipino American History Month, I remember, you know, asking the teacher, can I, can I just read some of these books to your class? And so that's kind of one way, I think. Um, and, at, you know, my kids are just happy when their mom's in the class. They're young like that, right? They just feel pride. And I know that there were, uh, I think after I did that once, um, I found out there were like two or three other Filipino kids in the classroom who told my son they were Filipino. So mm -hmm. I think um, just, to, just to be bold in that way, 
And if you have like a teacher or a school who's open, and I even did like a whole um, during API History Month, with this, which is May, right? I did a whole bulletin board of famous, um, you know, API uh, celebrities, politicians, you know, Chloe Kim was on that board. Thank you should you. be proud. She had just won uh, the, you know, the Olympics that year. So I go, we got to put her on there. Um, so, you know, it just, it's, it seems small, but I think it's not only for my kid, it's for other kids who may be API or maybe Asian. And we just don't know, of course, you know, it's hard to know. So I think little things like that um, really help my kid. But then, of course, the other kid who feels like I'm the only Asian in my class, maybe no, maybe no one even knows I'm Asian. Um, and so even Asian American, like I know we're talking particularly about our own uh, cultural identities. Um, you know, I don't particularly identify as Asian American in some ways. Uh, it really is flexible, right? Um, so especially now, what does with everything happening in the community, um, how do we talk about it with our kids um, in a way that also is connecting with other Asian uh, cultures and populations, right? And so even, you know, it's a huge question. What are some of the threads that even the three of us as, a, you know, as, as API women of color, like we do have similarities, right, too? And mm -hmm. so I think about that too. Um, you know, will my, will my sons solely identify as Filipino or see themselves as Asian American at a certain point. I'm like, well, probably just like me, you know, at a certain point I was Filipino and then sometimes I thought I'm Asian American and it depends on the context. So I think because I was born here um, and probably have a lot in common with them in some ways, I'm feeling a little bit more disconnected to the Philippines. I'm able to use that and be like, okay, uh, what are some of the things that I grew up with? I, I know I can't do X, Y, and Z. I can't teach them Tagalog. I can't do this. But what are some ways that I feel like when I was a child growing up in the States, what I needed to really affirm who I am, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's sort of like kind of what drives me. And, and how do I get over that? Oh, I wish this and this about my life. Like I wish my parents taught me Tagalog. I wish all these kind of things. Um, and how do I take that and be like, okay, um, I have a chance now. Uh, especially because my husband is Filipino. I really identify as that to impart something. Um, and I think, okay, that's going to be good enough. And I shouldn't be super sad about it, you know, but it is, it is some wisdom and knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a really, I, um, I don't really know. I think what really resonated, Cheryl, when you're talking about like um, this idea that, um, you know, we have our own social consciousness about identity in a way that our parents most likely didn't. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like, you know, one of the things that I will be really in, like investing in is like creating some language um, for, for my son to not think of himself as like 50% Korean and 25% yeah, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. white and 25% black. But like that he's all of those things, 100%. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And I think like, um, you know, his, the black side of his family um, is very, in, you know, rightfully so, like really um, interested and deeply invested in their genealogy and their mm -hmm. history. And so he will have access to that. And I think I want to encourage, like support him being curious about it and like seeing the like generations of um, images of his ancestors mm -hmm. on his, you know, uh, uncle, uh, great uncle and great aunt's walls and stuff like that. Um, 
But I don't know. I think like the only answer that I have to it is just like a real curiosity about all these parts of himself, you know? Yeah. And seeing that like, like really encouraging um, him to like not feel like he have to choose or necessarily mm-hmm. identify as one or the other. Um, and I'm not really sure exactly how that's going to look frankly because I you know I didn't have to do that as a kid I mean I kind of did it was bicultural but not multiracial Mm -hmm. and my husband you know his parents really didn't talk about race that much growing up and so I think it's a real new exploration a new tradition for all of us to figure out how do we talk about our identity as like that's more unifying in some ways um, yeah in the Mm -hmm. in the multiplicity um and not this like you know separation of like this and that um and I have to say I think it's going to be really hard for me around his uh the whiteness Mm -hmm. of his family Mm -hmm. I think that's you know that's a that's a struggle for me um with my own sort of racial healing and like like learning to love that part of him um and now my family and I think like that's something that I think I have to kind of work on um to build this sort of you know um more holistic way of understanding his his identity but I really love the idea of um you know being more involved when he's actually in school and like just making the partnership of me and my husband more visible not just me but also both of us because I think that's where the kind of unique um identity pieces and I know that there are a lot of Blasian families here in the Bay Area which is great um that's Black and Asian Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just feel like you know, I, I think I want to seek out more families that are blended in that way. Um, and they're or multiracial blended, I think is a different definition. Um, so that we can kind of, I don't know, like find a home where it feels like we're all exploring this together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a hard one. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. what those new cultural traditions are quite yet. Yeah. And I just want to acknowledge that um, I really appreciate the sort of leadership both of you have taken. I think Cheryl, at our preschool, you were always really on top of celebrating Asian American Pacific Islander um, Heritage Month. Um, and you, Taeyong, have been inviting a lot of um, Korean families to to join you in celebrating Chuseok and um, Lunar New Year. And um, so it's been a beautiful thing to be the recipient of uh, your leadership in both of those areas. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Well, we want to say thank you for, to Shayang for, for joining us in this conversation. Um, it was really deep and meaningful in many ways. It's kind of leaving me with things to think through. And I hope we could uh, maybe touch back in a couple of months to see how we're doing in our desires to just yeah, just uh, be connected to our, our, our backgrounds and our roots. Um, but we're going to end today's conversation with a fun one. Uh, so Jayung, we usually ask our guests a fun question. And today's question for you is, what is the best or funniest advice that you've received from your own mom? Um, I don't know if it's the funniest, but uh, growing up, um, my mom so we didn't usually eat dessert uh like traditional american dessert we'd always have like fruit mm-hmm. and my mom would you know peel the apple and um my mom did it so perfectly like she like there's no breakage in the yeah. <laughs> and she said you have to learn how to peel the apple like this or you won't find a husband <laughs> basically she said the you know your ability to peel fruit 
and it has to be th- i mean she would literally check the way you know how thick the the peel was too it can't break and it has to be pretty thin and she would say you know a good wife knows how to peel peel good fruit <laughs> wow. my, my follow-up question is do you know how to peel fruit because i yes i do i could do it really well <laughs> and you can ask my husband if i'm a good wife i guess oh that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> oh yeah but honestly every time i i like peel fruit in my very clumsy way i i feel like my mom my mom looking over me in judgment <laughs> like, yeah now can you do it my mom knows how to peel fruit too can you do it while having a conversation with somebody and not like stick yourself with the knife because she's done it where she's just like looking at having conversation and then it's like that one peel, yes. right? Yes. yes. That's a different totally. level. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again yeah. for joining us. We really appreciate your voice and all the stories that you've shared. Yeah, thank you so much for the space and all the conversation you, you all are having. Take care and don't forget to call your mom.